0: He was the first one to actually be bare naked and honest with the realities of what the street and the consequences of the street can bring. You know He was the proust of the projects.
1: I'm up for presidents to represent me. I'm out for. That's right. It's like a conversation, right? It's like a conversation. But see, he was always able to do that, man. Even with Ed Man Wednesday, you would drop the beat acapella. You would just talk to the crowd and rap, and they would just just be sucked in, man. Like his whole style is conversational to me. When you're rhyming, it. it's like, right, it's, right. it ain't just like rhyming. It's like, yo, he's actually talking to me. It's the setup, it's the resolutions and the releases and the tension. This music got crazy tension. One minute you feel like, and it lets you go, and it got you like that again. You know what I right, mean? Right. That's how the music takes you. All right. Dead Presidents is money. You know, it was, it was our, our, our chase for, um, you know, our chase for the life. And I was our obsession with it because we didn't have it, you know. The reason why guys or rappers are drawn to Scarface and movies like that because they see themselves as the villain. And you see someone come from nothing and make it for however how long, for however brief they make it, you know, that's something that draws you in. So I, I tell you half the story, the rest you fill it in, long as the villain went. You know, it's that mentality. I tell you half the story, the rest you fill it in, long as the villain win. I spin Japan yen don't flip like tape on. Anything like that captures the time. That was going on at that time. And it's just a part of that time. And when a when song comes on, it instantly take you, takes you back there. So truth resonates through time.
0: Welcome to the Vault Podcast classic music reviews presented by iv creative now here's your hosts b cox and the crew greetings and welcome ladies and gentlemen to another edition of the vault podcast classic music reviews presented by iv creative it's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view we appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective you could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, peacocks and with me, I got my boy once again, J.O., here in the place to be. As always, Jay, appreciate you for hanging out with me again as we circle up and circle around the classics, as we always Show. do here on the Vault Classic Music Review. Shout out to all the listeners out there stateside and worldwide. Thank you all for continuing to give us the good, good feedback. Had some great feedback this week on the our Helter Skelter review of Nocturnal. See, there's a lot of bootcamp click fans out there. So thank you all for continuing to spread the word and for following up with us on social media. We plan to have a lot of great things coming up here on The Vault Classic Music Reviews. As we always like to say here on The Vault, hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics. And as you heard prefaced in the episode before we started, you know what we're doing today. It's a special day. And as a matter of fact, Jay, when we started this week, you could see that there was a bit of a different feel around hip hop nostalgia, Twitter and hip hop nostalgia, social media because of the date that was coming up and what is significant is in hip hop history. So, of course, we're going to go back 25 years and we're going to go back to a very special time 25 years ago, a time that I like to call a magical time in hip hop. And we're going to go back to June 20. 20- 5th 1996 and look at none other than the legendary debut of jay-z reasonable doubt released june 25th 1996 on Rockefeller records and priority records (laughs) the debut of a man that many people would consider to be the greatest rapper of all time some will definitely put him in his top five you definitely have to put him at the top of his generation of rappers not only because of what he's been able to do on the mic but because what he's accomplished outside of that as well he's definitely transformed himself from an MC to being a entertainment executive to being now a mogul and now he's bigger than probably anything that I would even think probably he ever even imagined but it all started here Jay it all started with this album that came out in 1996 as the summer was just starting to get into swing reasonable doubt the debut studio album on Rockefeller Records. <sighs> Crazy, man. Recorded between September. Good times. good times. Recorded between September 1994 and February of 96. The studio, the legendary D&D studios. Like how many classics have been recorded in those studios, man? <laughs> how many sure. classics were crafted in between those walls? Classics, ass whoopings, all yeah, all types of things. DCL. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> a runtime of fifty-five minutes and thirty-two seconds. Executive produced by the Holy Trinity of Rockefeller, by Sean Jay Z Carter, by Dame Dash, by Kareem Biggs Burke. Producers on this, you know them very well: Primo, DJ Premier, DJ Ski, aka Ski Beats, Irv Gotti produced beats on here. Nobody, Peter Panic, even Big Jazz, a.k.a. Jazz O, the originator, produced tracks on here as well. Clark Kent, all producers on this album. Four singles from Reasonable Doubt. The first was the original Dead Presidents, followed thereafter by Dead Presidents Part Two, which is what you hear on the album. Ain't No Nigga, which came out featuring Foxy Brown. Can't Knock the Hustle featuring Mary J. Blige and then Feeling It in April of 97. Other features on this album included, as we mentioned, Jazz O, Sauce Money on Bring It On, and the debut of Memphis Bleak on Coming of Age. So, Jay, here we are, man. Reasonable doubt. <clears throat> <laughs> Reasonable doubt there are certain albums when you talk to people and you have these discussions, you and I are in a lot of different groups with each other on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I'm in a lot of discussion circles and hip hop Twitter, as they call it. I've been on Instagram. There are, I would say about two dozen albums that come up consistently when people reference some of the greatest albums of all time. And this is consistently one of the albums that was listed as one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. You would agree.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, just taking thinking back to that time, like you know what I'm saying, like summer of ninety six or just ninety six in, in general, I mean there was just so many like bangers just coming out back to back to back, you know what I mean, like yeah, and I think we discussed it before, like you know, how the two biggest were the score and all eyes on me, but yeah, you know what I'm saying you had this, you had it was written, you had mistakes side de la soul, Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just it was just so many coming out during that time Um yeah. Machiavelli came out later that year but yeah shoot, Muddy Waters I mean it was just so many like it's like everybody was just putting their foot into their albums back then man it was just such a just a beautiful time and everybody was just on their A-game but this stream like
0: yeah
2: I think Jay-Z caught it at the right time like you know where everything was starting to shift back to the East Coast mm-hmm. you know because so that was like right before you know I guess you could say the fall of Death Row like that was like like, like you know All Eyes on Me was like their last great hurrah you know so yeah it was just like just the genius of that time and of it, too, when it came out.
0: Yeah. And then just to talk about that time, because that summer of 96 and I'm going to have a bonus episode about some of the greatest summer jams of that summer of 96. To me, when I talk about musically, one of the best summers when it came to music in regard to that time and how the music felt, how it made you feel. Absolutely. Um, but just to give you an idea in between those two weeks of June 25th and July 2nd. These are the albums that all came out between those two dates. Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt, on July 2nd, you had both De La Soul's Stakes Is High and Nas It Was Written, released on July 2nd. (laughs) Another great album was released on July 2nd, by the way. Jay, one of your favorites, a group called Crucial Conflict, The Final Tick. (laughs) I just had to mess with Drew about that because I know how you feel about that. (laughs) them and their venerable classic hey <laughs> <laughs>
2: but you want us confused i hate grouping that group that a song with a passion so
0: continue, <laughs> man but this time so i kind of want to so before we even started getting to where we were i want to talk about the time and this album in particular and how it was received then versus how it's received now by the public at large when this album came out I think most people would agree that they thought it was a solid album. I mm-hmm. think most people, when they listened to it, they listened to it and said, yo, this is dope. And this dude, Jay, for a lot of people who didn't know about Jay-Z and the majority of us who listened to hip hop music, who were sort of listeners on the surface, meaning that we only listened to the radio and we only watched the videos. And we weren't really into, for those of us who weren't really into the magazines and or reading online at that time, which hip hop, internet, journalism and websites were kind of at their infancy at that time didn't really know a whole lot about jc so i think we thought that the album was solid but jay to me and you can also comment on this as well the Mm -hmm. reception of this album has gotten better it seems as time has passed i think by the time volume one came out we looked at reasonable doubt. Like this is even far beyond a dope album. He even said it by the time we got to volume two, I gave you prophecy on my first joint, but you're all lame doubt and you didn't appreciate it until the second one came out. And then by the time the new millennium came around, reasonable doubt had reached a whole nother mythology. By the time we've gotten past the two thousands and onto the 2010s, it has now reached to this rare air of being called one of the best albums of all time. It's amazing that I've seen that an album has really aged like this because I can't really think of any other album, or there's maybe a handful of them that I could think about in the last 25 years that have aged the way like this has.
2: Yeah, I agree. I would say, like you said, everybody thought it was dope when it came out, but then, like, as his career progressed and everything like that, and you know what I'm saying, like, it just like really creeped into the conversation as far as, like, you know, those, one of those staple albums, and like, you know, like how people looked at. It. Wu-Tang's Thirty Six Chambers, or the Chronic by Dr. Dre, yeah. or Midnight marauders blank back there. But like you, you, see what I'm saying. As far as like that, like or, or all eyes on me, or the score, like you know, yeah. it just like crept up to that conversation. Or Illmatic, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I really, I, can't, I really can't think of another album that's really done that's performed like that. Yeah, at least I think, in the court of public opinion.
0: I think if you were to talk to a few people in '96, there weren't many people that will put this in their top five of the year. Like, if Definitely you think about all the albums that came out, I think if you talked and polled 100 people, there would probably be less than 20 people that would put this in their top five of, of the year of 1996, which is amazing considering the legacy that it now has and mm-hmm. the standing that it has in the game. I I haven't seen an album age this well I mean, I can't even say that Ilmatic has aged as well because I think Ilmatic was acclaimed from the beginning and we've always had high regard for it. And I think that it's grown even further than that. But I think the jump from what people first thought when this came out to where it is now was probably even bigger than it was in Ilmatic. Only because people saw Ilmatic, they heard Ilmatic and knew that it was genius from the start. People weren't even thinking this was genius when it first came out, they just thought it was
2: dope. That's, yeah. There's a line between genius and dope. Yeah, I feel what you
0: mean. Yeah, indeed. So I think that. While I don't want to say I'm am I saying that this is better than Ilmatic. No, I'm not gonna say that. But I am gonna say that I think the jump as far as the perception of it has grown probably larger than the jump that Ilmatic made from ninety four to now. So that's just the, my opinion on it. Not saying that it's better. I'm just saying that the perception is probably perceived at a greater rate than Ilmatic has because of the starting point where we started with this versus where Ilmatic started at. So we'll go back. Take us back to ninety six, Jay. When you first heard this album, what were you thinking? What was your perception? And then since then, how has it changed to the point to where you look at it now?
2: Yeah, so back in 96, I mean, at the time, vividly, I mean, especially with all the dopeness that was coming out, you just had plenty of soundtracks for that summer, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, when I first heard that, it was like, I didn't even get it right off, to be, to be honest with you, because there was so, like, so many other dope projects coming out. So it's like, all right, I'm going to get this, and I'm going to get to it once I get to it. But when I got to it, I was like, okay, yeah, it's Jane Rock, like, you know, because... The biggest one everybody heard by that point was like the Dead Presence. The biggest thing was Ain't No Nigga and then like the Dead Presence joint. Yeah. You started listening to other joints on the album. Like, said, like, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He bring it, he definitely bringing something to the table. And like, oh, shit, he got the joint with Biggie. Like, he's going toe to toe with him because, mm-hmm. you know, Biggie was definitely more of a biggest star at that point than Jay-Z. Yes. So, and then like even back to the genius Ain't No Nigga, I mean like bringing Foxy on there because Foxy was already having a pretty good run because I don't know if you remember back in like that summer it was the Ain't No nigga Jane that was, that was playing all over the place and that case me not touch me, teased, teased oh, me yeah. when she was featuring on it. She was on fire so like, this summer. Yeah. Yeah. She had a she had a great summer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, listen to it back then versus listening to it now, I mean, now, like, it almost, like, appreciates, like, a work of art, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you appreciate the lyricism and Lord knows the production. Combine all that to back like like the euphoria of that nostalgia, you know what I'm saying? Like, to take it back to 96 when it was just, like, raw lyrics and yeah, Jay-Z wasn't this he wasn't the Jay-Z he is now. I'm not saying there's anything wrong is now, but he was more streets and more hip hop oriented back then. And obviously he's grown, progressed beyond that. But like, you know, it really just takes you back to that time, like, Jay-Z, we listen to you, we listen to your advice you niggas bunch of old shit, buy your old albums. We listen yeah. to your old album, man, because it's yeah, still dope.
0: Exactly. It's still dope, man. <laughs> that summer, like I said, man, I was there a lot was going on. I was finishing my eighth grade year. I was getting right. starting summer track. I remember buying this album actually the same time that I bought, it was written. It's crazy. One of my stories that I have is about being able to cop this and it was written at the same time. I had hmm. one of them on tape and the other one on CD. Cause I couldn't afford both of them on CD at the time. You know what I'm saying? Grass cutting money only took me, but for so long. And if I was going to see if I can get them both, I had to buy one on tape and one on CD. One on CD. So <laughs> I bought, days, so man. I bought, I bought, it was written on tape and I bought this on CD. And, I got on this album and started listening to it, and I think that, unashamed, I'll say this, and you could probably talk to any of my best friends back then, I got on this album and put people onto this album more than most people during that time. Why? Mm. Where Where do we live, Jay? In the DMV. What people loved back then. People loved Scarface. They loved pop. Was there nobody right. checking for g at jay-z back then in a dmv like that like nobody if you not were you were cool
2: if you were on the radio
0: yeah if you were you were from new york but you weren't like yo most of the dudes in dc were Pac fans they didn't like jay-z so nobody really was checking for him at that time i think by the time i got to the end of my ninth grade year and at this point once that happens Biggest died Pac has already died Then all of a sudden, it's like, yo, people were like, you're coming back to me like, yo, that Reasonable Doubt joint with Jay-Z that you let me listen to? Yo, you got that joint? Can you dub that joint for me? (laughs) It was almost like it sort of caught on like wildfire. By the time Volume 1 came out, I looked at my Reasonable Doubt CD as one of my prized possessions. And it stuck with me for the longest while until my CD collection and my great CD collection, which I had some classic CDs, actually was destroyed in that fire that I had a few years ago. But mm. being able to listen to this, man, and hearing not just the the lyrics, but it was everybody talks about Jay and his double and triple entendres. You know what I'm saying? His wordplay is ridiculous. The production on here is what I noticed, like, listening to those Primo beats and then being really for the first time getting familiar with Ski Beats in his work. Everybody will talk about Primo and his relationship with Dre, But I almost even think that the relationship that Jay had with Ski and what he curated on his albums was almost as equal to what Primo did on these first few albums that Jay had, which really helped to lay the foundation. The beats helped to pull me in. It was the wordplay. It was the fact that, you know, he sort of had this. Like he said in the piece before we started this episode, it was like a conversation. When you listen to this, it was sort of like he was having a conversation with you. That's one of the th- the alluring factors with Jay-Z, how he's able to bring people in. And that's what helped to bring me into this album. Mm-hmm. Over these years, I sort of like pound myself on the chest a little bit because I sort of, I understand and know that I was on this album even back then, even when nobody really was checking for Jay. And before quote unquote, he had volume one, which was going to be named Hair to the Throne at first, before he changed it to In My Lifetime. And at that point, when everybody started to get on Jay-Z, and I'm like on volume one, and I'm like, "Hell, man, it's, right, this joint is cool, but this ain't no reasonable doubt
2: though. Right. See, I thought I, was, I, thought, I thought I was like an eyeball for thinking that way, too. It had some joints, but yeah, it wasn't like... It's like, yo, this ain't reasonable doubt. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I was one of those dudes, funny, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying the funny thing is I think around that time, like, you know, Diddy was, like, kind of in the forefront. It was like, almost like he was, like, trying to emulate Diddy in a sense. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that... Yeah. That that shiny shoe, that jiggy shit, however you want to call it. Like, because remember, on, on uh, Volume 2, he kind of went back to the street shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? With the, with that Hard Knock Life beat and, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nigga, what? Nigga, he, he really went back on that during to, to his, yeah. his original flow.
0: Exactly. And Volume 1 has some joints, don't get me wrong, with the million and one questions and where I'm from and... Oh, I love where I'm from. You know, who you with and streets is watching... But to me, it wasn't this because this, oh, man. I mean, we'll go through it during our I'm not even going to call them highlights. Like, it'd be ridiculous for me to sit here and ask Jay and for me to put my highlights like the whole album is a highlight. We're just going to talk about favorites. But for me to even talk about my favorites and to compare it to this or really anything else that he's ever done would be absurd in in some respect, because. (laughs) I mean really it's literally like this album it's like 10 or 12 year old scotch you know it (laughs) literally sits there and as the more you let it age the more that you know the scotch gets that you know oak wood from the barrel and you start to flavor and starts to set in and it ages by the time it gets poured out into your glass neatly and you're sitting and enjoying it with a cigar you understand the process how it was made and why it was made and why it had to sit for so long in order for it to come out in your glass to come across as the perfect pour. And that's exactly what this is. This album is a perfect pour of a 12 year old scotch. (laughs) So now we'll talk about favorites as we'll rename it, not highlights and lowlights. We're going to talk about favorites. Jay, your favorites, 13, 14 tracks on here. Just let me know what, what your favorites are, man. List them.
2: <laughs> List them. Oh, sure. Um, sure. Okay, so yeah, like, I love Friend of Foe. Mm-hmm. Primo. I mean, just like, <laughs> of course, I mean, yeah, Primo beats, like, the conversation aspect of it, like, he took it in a different direction with that conversation with the dudes. You know what I'm saying? He, they thought he was going to get a drop on them, but mm-hmm. I can go on that plenty, but um, see yeah, see other the favorites. Uh, can I Live, twenty two twos? 2s Yeah, The Coming-of-Age drink. And of course, Brooklyn's finest, and can't knock the hustle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I will I probably name the whole, whole album for real, but I would yeah. really stop right there. Yeah,
0: man, the way that the album starts with "Can't Knock the Hustle," with that uh, the skit that became popular over that "Reasonable Doubt" to the volume one, two, and three with the Scarface slash Carlitos way, like you mm-hmm. know theme and the motif starting to begin and have big guy big guy you want to make some big bucks huh? <laughs> you know <laughs> and just like you sort of get the feeling like you talking about some hustler shit and then to start the first track with that beat by nobody and sean Kane, the vocals by mary j blige mm-hmm. i still think you know like <laughs> like i'm in you got me i'm i'm all the way in you got me <laughs> um you
2: have our attention now sir
0: yes you have our attention now brooklyn's finest i mean come on bro like yo you you talk about like biggie and jay going at it back and forth really just <laughs> i think somebody posted a picture and it was like a picture of like jordan and pippen doing something and somebody said this is jay-z and biggie on, on uh, brooklyn's finest i was like yep that sounds about right that clark can't beat um that sample the sample of you know ODB in the background, uh, Jay Z and Biggie Smalls, nigga, shit your draws. <laughs> Where you from? I mean, come on, though. Like it's, I could I could sit there and repeat that all day long. And the the quotables from that song just himself. We're gonna get in the notable quotables, crazy lines between both Jay and also Big. I mean, still big and mm. still, still a nigga and still fucked up for. If they had twins, she'd probably have two pox. Twin pox. <laughs> Get it? Two pox. <laughs> um, oh, man. Dead Presidents. Look, man. Despite in that same documentary piece that we talked about that you heard in the beginning, when you listen and see Ski Beats talk about taking that A Garden of Peace by Lonnie Liston Smith sample to make the Dead Presidents beat. It's almost enough to make me want to cry, man, because that's an incredibly emotional, emotionally pe- sounding piece of music. And Wait, didn't he also take
2: like, the drum piece from like, the Tribe Called Quest. Oh, my God. Remix? Yes, he took, the, okay, yep, yeah, he took so. the
0: drums from Tribe Called Quest, chopped that up. But the sample with that piano uh, from Lonnie Liston Smith, Lonnie Liston Smith, by the way, graduated of Morgan State University. Shout out to Morgan right. State. Um, so there's a connection here. But that piano, though, like you talked about the emotions in that, to be able to make a track like Dead Presidents, I say this unabashedly. I may be wrong. Some of y'all may think I'm crazy. Dead Presidents is still my favorite Jay-Z track of all time, part two. Mm. It's still my favorite Jay-Z track of all time. Because there's not not a single Jay-Z track that gets me going that makes me think about the hustle, the journey, the ascent, the triumph of everything like Dead Presidents part two. Nothing like it. And then we talk about Primo's beats The evils I mean come on dog Like the, the, This is why Primo's a genius He takes samples from Murder Was The Case Takes samples from "I Shot Your Remix And then <laughs> Then the lyrics from Jay Z About the <laughs> I mean goodness Like this is the reason why Jay and Primo work Is because when you have right. an artist Like Jay was saying in the beginning It's almost like these beats were tailor made With the artist in mind That beat was made for him, was made for Jay-Z. 22 is clever. Can I Live is, to me, still a top five Jay-Z track. I don't care what anybody says. Produced by Irv Gotti. Cashmere Thoughts, which is like, I think a lot of people won't mention this. But Cashmere Thoughts, I think, is Jay almost like his wordplay wittiest. The fact that he starts it off what I talk jewels and spit diamonds. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) and then that that sample for Cashmere Thoughts, Save Their Souls by Bohannon which we've heard a couple of different times music soul has used that total used that sample as well that was produced by clark kent bring it on which is i thought a good penultimate song on the album with jazzo and then with sauce money sauce money led that song off and he was like ricky henderson leading off that song you know what i mean because <laughs> Sauce money comes out of nowhere and spits 16 bars of hot fire right before jay takes over and then right. jazz closes the song out and then you know closes it out with one of the greatest I never take the clean brown sugar for the dirty green cream you know what I mean or however he said it but whatever it was still like a great way to close out bring it on produced by primo so those are just some of my highlights man I could talk about of course man 22 twos like I said clever uh friend of foe I gotta agree with you there that conversational piece he talks about like you know dudes trying to get the drop on him and it's like he's bringing you through this pretty much step by step and, and um didn't leave out, of course, like you said, you can name the whole album, man, but politics as usual, oh, that beat by Ski, um, featuring that sample on uh politics as usual, which is the stylistics hurry up this way again. The thing I love about Ski and watching him as well on social media, I love what he does when it comes to chopping up samples and really flipping beats. He's still on top of his game, even 20 something years later, almost 30 years later. I can't really even say a a low light per se, but if there is a low point on this album because of how good everything else is, it would have to be to me, Ain't No Nigga. And that's not even really a low light because to me, if we're talking about if all the other tracks on here are somewhere between a 12 and a 15 on a scale of 10, this is probably on a nine level, (laughs) you know, (laughs) eight and a half level. That's really Mm -hmm. the only like dip to me, I think that you get, and the only dip to me isn't the lyrics with either him or Foxy, it's the beat, you know. I mean, the beat is something that I really wasn't able to get into, but it's still, I mean, but hey, look, it kind of works because it's a radio track, you know what I'm saying? That's what it was yeah. made for. And even if I'm not mistaken, I believe this even showed up, "Ain't No Nigga" was on the Nutty Professor track,
2: you know. and Yeah. yeah man um. Yeah. And got remember another thing with that, man. Like. Jay wanted their presence to be the first breakout joint. That was on the um um Ain't No Niggas with the B side. Yeah, you
0: know mm-hmm. what I'm saying like
2: that that their presence that was more underground street. Ain't No Nigga was like more upbeat and mm-hmm. like radio friendly. But then like DJ started playing that and that blew up. So you know what I'm saying like, mm-hmm. like fuck. I guess I might as well roll with this. Right. Yeah.
0: Indeed. So that's really if there is any uh, a low point, but it's relative when we're talking about low points. And mm-hmm. I don't think either one of us talked about this, but feeling it as well, though. I mean, yeah, <laughs> if y'all niggas ain't talking about large money, what's the point? <laughs> and then and those vocals. i probably
2: feel like, feel like feeling it was like a part two to um, two. In my lifetime. In my lifetime. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like, definitely. It had the same feel to it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Definitely had the same type of feel
0: to it. Also produced by Ski, by the way. Well. No, by makes the way. Sense. Makes sense. You know what I'm saying? so those vocals by Mecca with that hook definitely helped to set the song off as well. Now we will get into notable quotables. So I'd love to hear what you picked for this, what your notable quotable
2: is. i say like the um, second verse of Can I Live. Mm-hmm. I mean, really just the whole journey. Like, my mind is infested with six thoughts thoughts to circle, like Alexis of Drift Wrong, it's sure to hurt you. Do it like duplexes in unity. My crew and me commit atrocities like we got immunity. immunity. You guessed it, manifest it, intangible goods, platinum Rolexes. We don't lease, we buy the whole car as you should. Like a federation, a dead nation, explode on detonation, overload the mind of a said patient. When the boils to steam and comes to it, we all fiends got to do it. Even righteous minds go Go through through this true this the street school us to spend our money foolish bond with jewelers and watch for intruders i stepped it up on another level meditated like, like a, a buddhist. buddhist recruited lieutenants with ludicrous dreams to get in cream let's do buddhist. this it gets tds to so keep like wind out open like, like CBS, 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 you cbs stress, stress
0: right <laughs> can i live <laughs> right yeah i i was at the i think it was the um the Magna Carta Holy Grail tour. I actually went to R- Verizon when he did this track. He actually did the second verse completely acapella and the crowd went crazy when he did that joint. It was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I keep one eye open like CBS and D my notable quotable comes from, as I said, Dead Presidents part two is my favorite Jay-Z track of all time. The second verse. He says, you know what? I make you, you and your whack mans fold like bad hands, roll like Monopoly, advance and copper me like white crystals. I gross the most at the end of the fiscal year than these niggas could wish to. The dead presidential candidate with the sprinkles in the presidential ice that'll offend you in due time when cries flee my mind. All sneak thieves when player haters can shine. But until then, I keep the trillion cut, diamond shining brilliant. I tell you half the story, the rest you fill it in. Long as the villain win, I spend Japan, yen, attend major events. Catch me in the joints, convince my iguanas is biting. J-A-Y hyphen, controlling, manipulating. I got a good life, man. Pounds and pence. Enough dollars make sense while you ride the bench. Catch me swinging for the fence, dead presidents. You know this. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's. I mean, <laughs> Jay was talking his shit on that verse. Like, I talk about. You want to talk about some like like large money talk? I mean, the type of shit he's talking about. Some roll like monopoly advance. You copping me like white crystals. I gross the most at the end of the fiscal year than most niggas can wish to. Like what? <laughs>
2: he, he was in his own on that shit, man. Like, like, damn, Jay, almost like almost like he was trying to compete to be king of new york back then like
0: he was trying to compete to be king of new york even back then despite the fact that it was still niggas like biggie and nas and other ones who were out there like jay has been nice he didn't just become nice overnight and he talk about some yeah now he's spitting most of these tracks off the top of the dome and he's not writing anything down in that documentary he was talking about some He would write stuff down, but then eventually he had to start memorizing stuff more and more. So he said he would get whatever he could write stuff down. He would be on the train. He said his travels when he was hustling was taking him further away from New York down, like he said, to Philly, to Baltimore, to D.C., to down south. And whenever he would write things down, he would write them down and have to sit there and memorize more and more. So a few lines here, a few lines there to the point where he had everything memorized and it got to the point where he was like, all right, I'm not going to sit here and write these things down no more. Now, I'm going to just memorize whatever it is that I'm coming up with. But this is the type of shit that you talk, man. Three verses of pure fire on Dead Presidents, part two, by the way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? A lot of people prefer the part one. To me, I don't. I think his better bars are on this one. And that's just my opinion, though. A lot of people will argue with me, but I don't give, it, I don't give a damn. I think this is better. So, just my personal opinion, bro. Um, so, now let's talk a little bit about, man, ever since then, we've now seen what Jay has put out. Um, we know what the charts have done charts has said. I want to say now it's 13 solo albums. He has come out with, we did the tale of the tape, excuse me of him and Nas. We went through all the albums that Jay went out. How do you think like this, sort, this set the table for what he put out later, like even going into the volume ones, two and three. And then after that, when we got into the new millennium where it was like rock La Familia and, you know, the new rock pretty much into the new millennium, which, spawned the blueprint and the black album and then you know all these other blueprints you know 2.1 and 2.0 and right everything else like how do you think this sort of set the table man like what what is your perspective on how this sort of set the table for him to be the rapper that he eventually became to be most people saying he was the best in the game
2: Yeah, so i mean like with this strain i mean obviously it put it on it just really like was groundbreaking for rockefeller records all together and as you can see how it's aged, I mean, like it's really like crept its way into the conversation as far as like, some of the greatest albums of all time. I mean, it's even to the point like people study "Reasonable Doubt" as like you know, as like the way they structure their own rhyme or like you know what journey like you know, saying people listen to to get inspired like they would like any other other ones I had named.
0: Yeah. And
2: as far as that, I mean, so of course it has that a legacy beyond that. I mean, as far as like it going into it translating to other the other album, later albums he put out. I mean, like I said with in my lifetime volume one i feel like he jumped off the porch a little too soon with that one Mm -hmm. like like i would say like let's say that drink came out now over in the past 10 years or something okay i could look at it a little bit differently but it was a pretty drastic change although still had his dope drinks on it from reasonable doubt to volume one as far as like he kind of jumped off the porch a little too soon i know he was balling doing his thing but it kind of like you know he was kind of like going with the flow as opposed to being the flow
0: yeah right Instead you know what I mean? Being, so like instead and I think of being, that, and I
2: think that's one of the things like that mm. affect his decision to go back to, you know what I'm saying, to that street aspect of it, like you know what I'm saying, using those using those that ain't sample with the hard knock life drain, like the dream if I should die, I don't cry my niggas, get high my niggas bust bullets in the sky, cry my niggas. niggas. Like yeah. And mm-hmm. which I, I felt on a different level as far as like shit pack them. But like I said, how I went back with like him, the whole nigga what, nigga who drain. Yeah. Like he even went back. He went back before reasonable doubt, as far as like you know. Yeah, it's flow. You just yeah. had to go forward and um, like money, cash holes, and then volume three came out. Mm-hmm. Started to step up from you know what I'm saying volume two and everything like that because I mean that joint bangers on the two and that was like right before I was that came out like ninety nine. So like right before the new millennium. Yeah, I know you said like um, their presence probably is basically your favorite joint for me. I would say, like, um, it's hot, something like it hot, just because, like, how basic that beat is and how hard that shit hits, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it definitely, like, it definitely set the pace to show that Jay is a heavyweight contender, and, you know what I'm saying, he definitely had, would take took the last, probably, like, longer than most rappers, like, you know, even, like, the ones we regard as legends in their time, so... Yeah. I mean, and he definitely earned his way on, on, onto that Mount Rushmore, you know, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, my saying, I have a complicated answer to that, because... We talked earlier, you said the thing about Jay said, niggas want my old shit, so buy my old albums. And right. I think I'm probably the biggest perpetrator of that because I've seen what Jay's capable of. But I also understand and know that everybody's not going to be the same. Like Jay is a guy who was evolved, not just as a as a man. He's evolved as an MC, as an artist. He's evolved as a businessman. He's a family man now. You know, he's got his kids. He has a legacy that he's wanted to leave. He said this a lot on the 444 album as well. That to me was the, you know, Jay's been all grown up and let me bare my soul to the world to let them know all my sins and me making my confessions. You know, that really was what that album was. And, and I felt I had a mixed feeling about it because I know what Jay is, um, I know what he's capable of. This newer Jay-Z that has emerged, I want to say even after, even after American Gangster, is a Jay that I haven't recognized, and I understand that he's different. I understand that he's now worth a billion, some close to a billion dollars, and him and his wife together are worth a couple of billion dollars. I get and understand all of that, but when I hear reasonable doubt and see this is the Jay that I fell in love with, and the Jay that made me think that this is another aspect of MCing and how a leader can be. Right. When I hear these last few Jay albums, these Magna Carta, Holy Grails these blueprint threes. These, this four, four, four. I leave a little bit unsatisfied and well, I get it. Four, four, four. I, I was, I had a mixed bag feeling about it. I loved, as we said, during the tale of the tape, I love no YD's production. I loved it. But as far as Jay's bars were concerned, I felt as though he was saying some really valid things and like, you know, quality as far as like his, his, his level of emceeing was still elite, but I felt as though it was a little lazy. Like I felt he's been lazy in these last like 10 years or so. And I guess Mm. you can earn the right to be lazy when you've put a body of work together where you've put questionably three of the greatest hip hop albums of all time out there and several others that can be in the conversation as far as the best hip hop albums, of either this generation Or if you're doing like a top 500 list Are in the consideration for those as well You get when you're at the top Of the industry and you've got To the top of the charts that you can sort of be a little Lazy but I can't help but just sort of compare to Nas and See the level of MC And how I've seen that you know I think both of them have maybe Taken a little bit a tiny Step down but I feel as though I think Jay has gotten because of all the other things he's involved in That his energy really isn't in the emceeing anymore my thing is like if he's not Then don't do it You know especially when Especially when you come from what we Were used to hearing starting all with reasonable Doubt so I, I may Be a little I know that I'm in the minority Of that but when I come from this And I know that he's not going to talk hustling anymore because he's not hustling. Not even from a business standpoint. He's not hustling anymore because he's the boss. Okay, He has capos and soldiers working to do stuff for him and he's literally protected by all the other things that his business enterprise provides. I get that. I understand that. I just know that when I hear reasonable doubt I hear what can be possible from what a lot of people will consider to be one of the top MCs of all time. I think that as you said, Volume 1, I felt there was a little bit of a step back. I felt like he stepped up a little bit more in Volume 2. I think when we got into the Rock La Familia and the New Rock afterwards, I felt as though he was changing. But I felt he got it back on the Blueprint and then took another step back again with Blueprint 2. And then definitely steps back up with the Black album. But then after that, it's it's a mixed bag of results. And I think that um, coming from this, that's really what disappointed me more so they anything. But you can't compare this to anything else. I don't think there is an a album in his catalog that compares to this, not even Blueprint. I don't even think compares to this. So that's my opinion. Right.
2: So yeah, not even, not even the first Blueprint.
0: Not even the first Blueprint, man. I know right. people will put the first Blueprint over this, but I ain't one of them.
2: Yeah, I say it's a close second in my opinion. It's a
0: close but second, but it's not. It's not, not over this joint. reasonable doubt. No. Yeah,
2: not at all. So, and I will say, like you know, back to your point about four, four, four. I mean, like that was like one of the things I said when it first came out. I'm like, yeah, this is some of the best Jay Z we've heard in like a minute. Mm-hmm. Not on a reasonable doubt level, not on like that level, but compared to like the other projects that had to come out recently. Yeah, that was like a step up. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying there. Yeah,
0: compared to Blueprint Three and compared to Kingdom Come and Magna Carta, Holy Grail. Yeah. It was. (laughs) Yeah, it was. So, yeah, man, this is just a formality. When we talk about the test, the final test, the test of time, what do we think? (laughs) Certified Classic. Certified Classic. (laughs) Certified Classic 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10. This is a joint that if you get it, you hold on to it. If you can get it on vinyl, you keep it and you preserve it. If you still have the original CD, you keep it and make sure that it doesn't get damaged. Unfortunately, I had my copy of Reasonable Doubt, the first one, on CD. And I lost it in a fire, along with a lot of other quote-unquote fire that I had as well. And I lost it. But this is, man, this is literally, man, when when you're talking about they make a documentary, another great podcast series that somebody can check out it's by break the adams on twitter they have a making making and a documentary and look back behind the scenes of reasonable doubt please make sure y'all go check it out man if you think that you knew everything to know about this album jay please make sure you go check that man and everybody else out there go check that out it's at break the adams will yeah at break the adams on twitter they have a um a series on reasonable doubt now that it's 25 years old please go check it out it's a must for every hip-hop fan. Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt at 25. Of course, everybody has seen now that there was a big spat between Jay and Dame about selling this NFT for Reasonable Doubt. Dame tried to sell it. Jay blocked it, and now Jay commissioned the artist to make this NFT, and it will now be available. Who knows how much it's gonna go for, but NFTs and everything else aside, man, this is a great, great project. This is one of the best of all time. To me, I think it's still his best album even 25 years later. So if you haven't listened to it yet, you've been hiding under a rock for the last 25 years, please go check it out wherever you can get music on Tidal, (laughs) on Apple Music, wherever. Make sure y'all go check it out and listen to this classic. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to the Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. If you go to the link in our link tree in our bio of all of our social media pages, you'll get to all of our streaming sources and then also all of our social media pages. You can follow the Vault Classic Music Reviews on at Podcast on Instagram, at Vault Classic on Twitter. And on Facebook and YouTube, you can search The Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast, like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, interact with us on social media. We love the feedback. When you guys get feedback here with us, we do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big. Because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create. Always create motivate and elevate, because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at
1: IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.